tell the bad, tell the struggle, tell the mistakes you've made because it makes you relatable. And the yeah. reason why people love superheroes like Superman, it's not because he's invincible. It's because it's when he does find struggle and he, it makes him human or it makes him more like us. He still powers through. He still finds yeah. a way to overcome. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, I got Greg Birch here. He's a Tennessee native. He was raised by military parents and had an early desire to serve others. The U.S. Army veteran serving as an armor officer for 11 years. He deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan, leading soldiers into combat there, which resulted in being awarded the Bronze Star twice. Greg took that military training into the workforce, and it gave him the foundation to build his own business and insurance. He quickly became a leader and record-breaking producer in his field. He's now the founder and president of Delta Financial. Welcome, Greg. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me, Doug. So let's go back to all the way, all the way back to Monday when we met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> way and, back when. Yeah. And so you actually reached out in our Apex group mm -hmm. and uh, you kind of feel, felt like you were reaching the pinnacle of your social media recruiting. And then we started having a conversation. I'm like, man, most people are trying to get to where you are in social media recruiting. So tell me a little bit about that. What, uh, how did you get into that? And then why has it been so successful for you? Um, so, so I got into social media recruiting when I was, when I was an agent, just a, a regular agent in insurance. And, mm -hmm. um, there's all, there, I mean, there's so many different lead vendors and there's, there's some vendors that will teach you social media marketing. And, um, I started to do one program and I, I thought that they would actually build it for me. Like the, the whole like funnel and, and video funnel where I could, I could control my lead flow. And I, I, cause I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know anything about websites. And I was just like, dude, that's what you do for me. I don't want it to produce leads. And I just want to sell. That's all I want, man. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I backed out of this program and fast forward about another year, like this is in 2019. And then about the end of 2020, I saw another program similar and I was like, you know what? I just need to buckle down and do it. And so I, I jumped in this program. Um, and this, this guy that teaches, he was a previous lead vendor and he designed another company where he teaches insurance agents how to create their own, uh, funnels for, mm -hmm. to, to generate leads on LinkedIn, YouTube, Google, Facebook, whatever. And so I just jumped in the program and I, and I spent two months every day working while, while generating or generating sales through clients that I already had and leads that I was already purchasing. Mm -hmm. And then on my off time, really focusing on creating my own website, creating ad copy and ad sets, learning the ins and outs of, of Facebook algorithms, uh, learning how to market. And I kind of fell in love with it. And so that was my start. That's how I got into it. And what I found early on was there's a certain way that people speak online and how they okay. write that really hooks people in and gets them to, to actually click. And everything about marketing online is, is really about telling a story and selling just the click. 
and taking them next step in the funnel. Right. And every step of the funnel is just selling to go further into the funnel. And, and so uh, I learned that early on. And so, you know, when I, when I started doing marketing, that was, that was war market, that wasn't paid ads in order to generate really what I was trying to generate was, was more attraction from, mm -hmm. from agents and other and across the industry to look at our company and how we were different. And what I found was this, I, I just wanted to provide value. I just wanted to help people. And, and because there's a, there's a lot of agents out there that weren't getting the help that they, that they really need that they're looking mm -hmm. for that they've been promised. And so I said, you know what, how about I just give them the help? Right. And it, it's kind of like the sales concept, like when lead companies are trying to get people into, um, uh, into becoming a, a, an actual lead and they, to take them through the funnel, it's always like, Hey, click here to get a quote. Right. They never yeah. get a quote. Right. They, they never get a quote. So most of my stuff, when I did my lead generation, I actually gave them quotes. Like I had a website that people could go to and they could get a quote. And then I had a whole blog and there's a, there's a book that's called, uh, they ask you answer. Yeah. And it's all about basically providing everything that a client would ask everything they're looking for in the sale. And like through FAQs or a blog style and giving them everything up front, because by the time that they do actually schedule, it weeds out the people that aren't interested in the people that are interested. They're like 95% of the way there. It's just a right. call and it's just a call and close getting a signature because they know what they want. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started, I just applied that principle. Hey, these are what this is what agents are looking for. Instead of saying, Hey, I can provide it. Look at me, I can provide it and attracting them. I just provide it to them. And then they would come to me and say, Hey man, how'd you learn that? And I would tell them. And then they're like, Hey, can I come to you and ask you if I have any other questions? Yeah, sure. Of course. Like I would love to help because I do want to help. And then that just started generating and fostering a lot of relationships across the entire industry where people would come to me for help. And over time, they would just come to the realization of, I want to work with you, right? Yeah. Like, you, you know what you're talking about and everything that you've told me has worked. So that's, that, that's kind of a down and dirty, I guess. Yeah. And it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, that concept is out there in different versions in the market. Right. So the first person I heard it from was Gary V. Right. Mm -hmm. Which was uh, hook, hook, jab, right. Or yeah. Hook, hook, jab, his book that he came out with and his whole concept was value, value, then offer. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you got to hook them with the value, hook them with the value, and then you can actually give your offer. And, and then of course, uh, in building your machine in Ryan Stuman's, uh, the group that we're in, we're both in Apex. Uh, he he puts that concept out as well: value, 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 and then they will come to you. You mm -hmm. know, and so to me, that needs to be a one of the ways that you get leads, or one of the ways that you get recruits, right? Because when they come in, they're incredibly qualified. But if we're trying to do this big volume, how do you how do you scale that? How have you been able to scale it? Because from our conversation, it sounded like you were getting like 20 recruits in a month roughly. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I, I know how this works. I've recruited a lot of people over my career, 20 recruits, 20 well-qualified recruits. Like you're talking about a month is, is huge. That's a lot of scale happening right there. Mm -hmm. So are you focusing on certain uh, social media platforms or are you just kind of putting everything out everywhere? What's your strategy there? So um, I started off just doing Instagram. And mm -hmm. Facebook. So I have my Instagram and my Facebook connected. 
Um, if, for those of you that don't know much about social media, um, some, there are some basic like kind of tips and tricks you can do. Like you can connect your social media, your Facebook and your Instagram. So that anytime you post on your Instagram, it automatically will post to your Facebook so that you can have two posts simultaneously on two different platforms and vice versa. And it goes for stories too, but there's certain, depending upon like if somebody tags me in a story and I try to repost it, I have to actually go into the settings and make it go to Facebook. I can't just repost it and automatically go to Facebook. So right. there's some, there's some nuances there, but once you play around with it, it's easy to do. So I started off just Instagram and Facebook. Um, over time, I started to realize that I was completely ignoring TikTok. And I was like, you know, I've already got all this backend content of like videos, reels I've been doing. And I started posting on TikTok and because of being an apex and Ryan Stuman, he recommended LinkedIn. So I started doing posts on LinkedIn and I yeah. do different strategies on each platform. So on, on Instagram, what I was doing is doing two posts a day. One of them is usually a picture or a slide of pictures. So if you've ever seen like one of those slides, like Ed Milet mm -hmm. does, it'll have like a picture and it's like almost like a Twitter you know, yeah. handle, and it'll have like some a, a little like hook, and then you swipe and it has a little arrow and you just keep swiping and it tells a story and then there's and there's usually a long text, or a medium or short text there with some hashtags. So I was doing I'm doing posts like that, that goes to both my Instagram and my Facebook. Mm -hmm. And then usually in the evenings, I'm doing some kind of reel. Now, well, the reason why I do a reel is because I can I can use specific hashtags, and I can tag specific people. And because of the people I'm tagging and because of the hashtags that I'm using, it will get in front of a wider audience that's outside of the people that follow me. And the more people that view it, it's going to continue to widen that audience, even if someone stops on it for a few seconds. And I was like, oh, what's this guy talking about? And so then that's when I, I started using those same reels that I'm putting on Instagram and that automatically go to my Facebook. I started putting them on my TikTok. Mm -hmm. Now for LinkedIn, I usually do a long post uh, for Facebook groups. I, I'm in multiple Facebook groups that I post in every day. And, and this is ever since I got an Apex. And, and I learned a lot of, of, of how to generate affinity that's taught in uh, the Build Your Machine and in, in the Break Free Academy with getting into those groups. And so um, I post every single day in Apex. I post every single day and um sales pros i suppose every single day in, in a, a life insurance forum that's got like 50 60 000 agents in it and then i usually and sometimes i do three different posts sometimes i'll do a similar post that's between the life insurance and the sales pros yeah but usually i'll take one of those and i'll put it into linkedin mm -hmm. and so I'll, and so I'll, and i might change it a little bit to, to fit a linkedin audience so i try to write approximately 2,500 words a day in ad copy mm -hmm. uh, between all the different posts. Cause I also do a post in my team chat. It's on discord. And I try to do a long, not a long, too long, but a, a nice meaty message to my team, teaching them something right. and, and giving them some, some confidence or something like that. And so giving them a mindset shift. So mm -hmm. between all the different posts that I'm doing and, and, and within the groups to my personal page, and then to my team, I, I try to write about 2,500 of words worth of content a day. So. Nice. so two questions from that. How long are you like time-wise are you actually spending on this? Mm -hmm. And then um, where are you getting the content? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
now, now trust me, I'm doing yeah. the same thing on my end, yeah. you know, so, you know, I'm using the family, I'm using history, you know, history in the business, uh, situations with consulting clients, uh, guests, podcast mm -hmm. guests give me mm -hmm. a lot of content. And so um, that the podcast makes it a lot easier. But I'm, you know, 2500 words a day, and it sounds like you're consistently posting in every one of these groups. That's a, that's a lot that you're putting together. So you know, first question is how long does it take? And then the second, um, where are you getting all that content from? So I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's all. I, okay. I don't listen to music. I listen to a lot of yeah. podcasts. Um, I listen to the Real AF with Andy Frisella. Um, I listen to, I listen to Ryan Stewart's podcast. I listen to his Monday, Monday Motivational every single day. Um, and then a lot of it is just experiences that I've had. I've had a lot of experience both in the military in terms of leadership and then I've applied a lot of those leadership tactics and strategies that I learned um, during my service mm -hmm. into sales because believe it or not, leadership and sales, they parallel pretty well because that all has yeah. to do with influence. And yeah. so um, I, I was able to, to jump into sales pretty easily and, and learn really quickly and, and apply everything that I, had, uh, that I already knew that worked in terms of influencing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I've just had, a, I guess I've had a lot of life experience and I've messed up a lot. Right. So like, it, I guess coming, like having failure, like I was reading your poster when I was like, dude, I love, I love posts like that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and to just to segue real quickly, posts like that, it really does. It, it makes you human, right? It yeah. makes you relatable. And I, and I always tell my agents and a lot of agents I've worked with outside of my company, ever since I've been uh, in insurance, like tell the bad, tell the struggle, tell the mistakes you've made because it makes you relatable. And people love, people love the come up. People love the story of the underdog. And the yeah. reason why people love superheroes like Superman, it's not because he's invincible. It's because it's when he does find struggle and he, it makes him human or it makes him more like us. He still powers through, he still finds yeah. a way to overcome. And so I, I love those kind of posts. I think they're the best, right? So um, I, I, I use those experiences in order to kind of fuel what uh, what I want to talk about. And mm -hmm. I do a I do a daily podcast every single day with my team. It's called the Delta Team Chat. And every single morning, I'm I'm st I do 75 hard tasks every day now. Like I, I work out twice a day every day, and I've been doing that for a long time. Um, even though I'm in of, between. Go ahead. A lot of high performers do. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I've been, it's, I've been, I've been noticing. I was like, shoot, I never should have quit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I quit for a long time. And I just, I, I, I felt my discipline. I felt it within me just dropping. I was like, Nope, not happening. So, yeah. um, I, you know, I jumped into, I mean, I'm in between phase two and phase three and live hard right now. Phase three starts mm -hmm. October 30th for me. So, uh, I'm still just doing the tasks every day and every single morning, I go outside and I put on a weighted vest. I have a 45 pound weighted vest that I wear and I go on a hike. And while I'm on the hike, I have my phone and I record a message to my team. Cause I, I, I'm in Arte, I'm in Apex, I'm in brand builders group. And I have a lot of it and I'm studying every day and I'm learning things. I'm going through BFA, I'm doing trainings and I'm, and I'm applying it also to my business so I can actually see the applicable side of it. And then I teach it to my team because I want them to grow and learn and do all the things that I'm doing. Cause then when we all kind of work together, like we can massively explode together. Yeah. So I, I teach them stuff like that. I teach them leadership stuff that I learned. I tell them stories from my military days, et cetera, et cetera. Some, some of the same posts that I've posted in, in apex. And that. so, 
and and I love that it's just for them. Yes, you know, which is really cool. Yeah, you know, we we do our uh, once a week. We do a Friday morning company wide call. You mm -hmm. know, and I, like I I did. You know, it's funny we're talking about this. I did the build your machine training this morning, and I, and I converted it into something specific for my guys and how they could attack it in creating mm -hmm. referral partners, right? And, um, you know, I got a message from one of my guys after, hey, it's really cool that you took the time to do that with us. And I'm like, why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, <laughs> I need to be pouring into you guys or I'm going to be in trouble in a couple months because you are going to be falling off like flies if I'm not investing in you, you know? Yeah. And, and I, um, I, I get messages like that from my team all the time too. They're just like, yeah. like so instance, I, I actually did a message to my team the other day and I was like, hey guys, Right after we, the day after we had the call, the next morning, I was like, Hey guys, the podcast is coming back. I had a call with this guy for blah, blah, blah. I told him the story. Yeah. And I was like, so I'm going to be dropping off the Delta team chat. And people were like, no, like, no, don't. don't. <laughs> They're like, don't, don't get rid of it completely. Like you can drop yeah. how many days you do it, but don't get like, we want to hear from you every week. And so I was like, yeah. okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and honestly, like, it's just great training. Like, I want yeah. them to be the beneficiaries of everything that I'm pouring into and learning from because, you know, obviously Ryan learned this from somebody, right? Like he right. either through experience, but also from mentors and everything that he had. And he's mm -hmm. just basically pouring into all of us in the same way. Right. And so, yeah. um, so to answer your original question, because I went on a long tangent, I apologize. Uh, no, that's, it, that's what the podcast is for. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it takes me, I spend about an hour and a half. I spent about an hour and a half a day. Um, so usually I, I get back from my, my walk. I come, I come straight back inside or I usually I'll drop my vest off. I'll go out for a 20 minute run. I come back, I upload the video into Vimeo. Um, I put a little description on it mm -hmm. and I let that run while I'm getting ready to post it. And then I jump on the computer and I get on again. I usually, if you see me on apex, I usually post around the same time. It's like six 30 to seven 30 yeah. and I'm, and I'm getting on and I'm going through each one of the groups and I'm like, what do I want to talk about today? What do I want to type on? And, and I usually think about it while I'm on my run, like I'll be listening yeah. to music or I'll be listening to a podcast on my run. And I, and I kind of just let that mull over in my subconscious until I just, Ooh, I want to talk about this. So I come in, I'm ready to kind of attack whatever topic that I want to type about. And I start with apex. Then I go to sales pros. Then I go to mm -hmm. the, the, another group and then I go to LinkedIn and, and then I do my first Instagram post for the day. Um, usually Lexi has, uh, who's my girlfriend. She also, mm -hmm. uh, I've hired her for social media for the Delta financial. Um, she goes through all of my previous content that I do. She listens to all the Delta team chats and mm -hmm. she actually splices them to make reels from like audio nice. from it. She cuts the audio, but then she also pulls and she makes quote pages and she does like all these different quotes of things that I've said in the Delta team chat. And yeah. then she makes these little quote pages. So then I'll post that with a long write-up and, and I'll do mm -hmm. usually that in the morning. And then sometime throughout the day, I will do a reel usually. And usually it's like experiences that I had, like I'll have an agent call me and be like, yeah. oh, I got this issue. Well, like freaking out. I'm like, hey, it's yeah. simple. I'll handle it. And then I'll be like, you know what? If they're having that issue, other agents are having that issue. Yeah. And, so I'll, I'll, and so I'll do a video on it. So and that's, that's the difference, right? Is a lot of, you know, coaches and stuff like that. They're not in the business every day. They, they're full time in their coaching business. Mm -hmm. So it's like they can bring up stories about clients, but they're not in the business every day. So or working on the business. So they don't have those experiences to, to feed off of. And that's kind of the hard thing about creating content sometime. Um, 
So what I'm, what I'm hearing a lot is kind of, you know, in your intro, what we talked about a little bit, which was your early desire to serve others. You're doing the team chat. You've got the team podcast going on mm-hmm. and you're giving a lot of value on your social media. There's people out there that are making a bunch of money from your posts right now that probably have never and will never work for you, but it's, it's not about that, putting the value out. And then yes, every now and then I'm going to get a new hire, new recruit. I'm going to benefit from it. Mm-hmm. It's a strategy that works, but at the same time, and I was talking to my team about this today. I was like, yes, I get leads from this stuff. I get recruits, I get solar deals and that's all great. But man, every now and then I get this message that's like, Hey, I was impacted by your story. That, mm-hmm. that post that I posted yesterday, I had three different people message me and say, Hey, that was me. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Hey, that was me last weekend. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like this, the end of your story inspired me to stop doing that shit. You know what I'm saying? And I say, all right, sounds good. Now I'm going to check on you in a week and make sure you're, st- you're not doing the same shit. <laughs> on know? a Saturday night, bro, I'm texting you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're going to find out if yeah. you're serious. Um, so you talked about having that desire early on, you know, let's kind of go backwards into your childhood a little bit and find mm-hmm. out, you know, where did exactly did that come from? Uh, you know, both of my parents served in the military, They're both in the army. They both served in Vietnam. Um, you know, my, my dad retired. My mom got out before I was born. You know, she just did her, she just did her time during Vietnam, got her V8, uh, uh, her, whatever the, the soldier's bill. I can't even remember the top of my head for whatever reason, but, uh, I got, got the, got the, uh, college money mm-hmm. got out and, um, I'm the youngest of six. So I started popping out kids. So, <laughs> um, then my dad stayed in the military. Uh, he retired at 20 years and, uh, you know, I was about six, five, six years old at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember too much. I have very vague memories, but uh, we talked about, I mean, we, we lived in a military town. We lived right by Fort Campbell outside of, uh, in Clarksville, Tennessee, right outside of it. I used to spend a lot of time on the installation. I mean, I went there, we went there like every week and we were still very ingrained in like the military culture. And I always wanted to be in the military uh, from a young age. And so my dad always talked about, you know, different experiences that he had. And one of the experiences that he, I, I, I vividly remember was he talked about his company commander um, during a, during a, uh, a time that he was, you know, um, in Germany when he was stationed there. And I just remember him having like a lot of reverence for this captain that he was speaking about. And it just seemed like that was the that was the gold standard. Right. And so, uh, I had this dream. I was just like, as a kid, I was like, man, I would be a captain in the, <laughs> in the military. <laughs> and I would like, literally like, it's almost like law of attraction, right? It's almost like I, I, I would literally sit there and think about being a captain in the military and like being in formation and like in the front of the formation. Like I had these visions when I was like nine, 10, 11, 12, went into ROTC, went into our JROTC in high school. Um, and wanting to do this and uh had a had a great time loved it and it 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 was a pathway to me getting into college and getting a college scholarship for ROTC which got me my commission and you know I guess as a as a as a kid my parents just really instilled in me to um to pay attention to the small details and like I was of service in a sense. I was of service to my parents. My parents, I, I, we grew up poor. My parents worked all the time, um, but I didn't go without, right? But in order for us to get what we wanted to get, like 
I had to, on a daily basis, we had to clean the whole house. Like we did everything. Like we made our parents bed, we folded their clothes. I would pull up my mom's clothing for the next day and iron it. Right. And it's amazing. How old uh, were you when you did that? I started that when I was eight. My youngest son is eight right now. And I could, I'm not gonna lie. Like, no, not even my, my oldest daughter. I could not see her doing that right now. Now yeah. my kids do a lot of things that kids these days don't do. They cook, they clean, yeah. they understand all that, but ironing my clothes, like that's, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> that's a great way to raise a kid. Yeah. And, and my friends used to tease me all the time. You know, they used to say, uh, they say, man, your mom's like a, like a slave driver. And I'm like, but you know, my mom, like she gives me whatever I want, like, you know, and we don't have a lot of money. Like we were not, we were not rich or by any means pretty poor actually, but they were good with money. They just saved a lot and they, they scrimped and saved. And so, um, you know, we cooked. So by the time I was in high school, uh, as a sophomore in high school, all the other, all my older brothers, sisters were gone. So it was just me. So my sophomore, junior and senior high school, my, I came home, I would do my homework. I would clean the entire house because my dad would have just left for work as I was coming home. And he always just trashed the house. I don't know how, but he did. Uh, <laughs> I, I would clean the entire house. I would cook dinner. And then my mom would be coming home. We would eat dinner together. I would clean the kitchen again because I cooked. And then I had to go pull out. She would tell me what she wanted to wear the next day. And I knew what clothes she had. I would go get her clothes out, bring them out, iron them right there. She would check them. She'd be like, they look good. And then I was like, by the time it's like 6.30. And that was my time because I'm like done with everything. So that's when I got, got on the You're phone. You're like a grown adult though. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> yeah. And that, that, that sounds like, you know, the mom at the end of the day, she's like, it's 6.30, I'm done. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's how, that's how it was, man. And uh, dude, if I didn't do it, if I, um, you know, my mom was really strict about certain things. Like, and it was like paying attention to the small details, right? If I made the bed and I didn't shake out my mom's sheets, it would, bro, she knew, she knew. Wow. And, and so she would be like, she could feel like dust particles. I don't know, oh my but gosh. she would go get me out of bed and like smack me upside the head and be like, do it right. And like, yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> what about so, the five other kids? Um, so by the time that this was happening, uh, uh -huh. it was, it, it depends on who was doing the chores at the time. But by the time this gotcha. was happening, I was doing it by myself. You were solo. Yeah. So like I was, I would like come home and, and like, I would clean my parents' bedroom. That meant I had to take off the sheets, shake them out, make their bed the right, the way, the, you know, the way they want to do, do laundry, fold their laundry. My dad was really particular stuff. Um, and clean up the rest of the house, like kind of systematically go through the house cleaning, then cook dinner. And so I actually have a passion for cooking because I cooked every single day, um, during, at least during the weekdays. Yeah. And I got really tired of making hamburger helper, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you got to mix it up. Yeah. You got to mix it up. So I started looking up cookbooks and this is before, this is like at the, at the advent of, of the internet and Google right. didn't exist, obviously. Right. So I'm like, Hey mom, I, Hey, I got this cookbook and I'm like, I want to try something different. Can you go get this from the store? And she would. And so I would just start trying new recipes and I kind of got a passion for cooking. So I, I, I like, I love to cook now. And, um, but I, a lot of that is, I think attributed to my mom and dad's how, how they raised me. They're very strict, but, mm. but to be of service of other people. And, and in return, I got to get things that I wanted to get, even though the budget was always tight, you know? Now that makes a lot of sense. And you know, now, now that I think about it for myself, it kind of brings back my own memories because I moved in with my aunt when I was 12. So she taught me like how to adult because, you know, she didn't have any kids or anything like that. So she was in like 
responsibility mode most of her life, right? Mm-hmm. And um, not that you're not responsible when you have kids, but you're responsible for other humans instead of just responsible for your house or cooking and cleaning and all that type of stuff, right? And so she taught me how to cook and she would make me at least two times a week cook dinner. And so I, same thing, like she wouldn't, she wouldn't allow me to make hamburger helper. It was like from <laughs> scratch. What are you going to make this week? And print out the recipe. You know, we had Google finally print out the recipe and then uh, execute, you know, yeah, that's awesome. All right. Let's fast forward a little bit. And, and that makes a lot of sense coming from that kind of childhood, but it, it also like, man, how much easier, not easier. I shouldn't say that how much more disciplined you were going from that family military family and then you know your your parents running the household like that and then into j r rotc rotc in college yeah yeah rotc and then into the military so there's always this structure and this discipline surrounding your life Mm -hmm. you know and so now we're getting to your actual military service and if you don't mind me asking i'm i'm curious about the bronze star what how does that work how do you qualify for that i mean so i'm oblivious on it so a bronze star is pretty it's it depends like so my first bronze star i got i got i was awarded after um our first um engagement during my first deployment um because we were you know we were going through this this uh it was like a marketplace right and it's it's Mm -hmm. like the same old story where you're like going through the marketplace and it's bustling and then we're we 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 had the iraqi police with us and we're walking through we stop for movies to be a reference but i mean this it sounds like it looks looks like movies yeah yeah it's very much like that yeah and then you know they always say like in training they're like hey like you if everyone disappears out of nowhere like you go through marketplace you come back and there's no one there you're about to get lit up like you're getting, <laughs> and so we're all like oh man like we, we you hear the stories and we're going through this marketplace because we were, we were in the process we had this um we we were doing this thing called sons of iraq which was a an iraqi militia okay. where where the government was paying iraqi citizens to be militiamen to post them up every mile along every stretch of highway at a post so basically watch the road and, and prevent from anyone else coming and laying uh, IEDs on the, mm-hmm. in, in the road. And we paid them. And so I, would, I was the money guy. I actually requested all the money from the government. We had to do all the paperwork. The money would come wow. in. We would convert it to Iraqi dinar. And then I would come in and, with soldiers and we would just pay them. So this was like the first big payment that we finally, that we finally got. So you were um, the the walking arm vehicle. Yeah, basically they called me they called me Mula Majid. Or, uh, okay. uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Shake. They called me Shake Flus. Mula Majid was the guy who was paying. They called me Shake Flus, which is which is like Shake Money. So okay. so every time I come into town, they'd be like Shake Flus, and I'd have a big old bag. <laughs> it was like, oh no, just full of money. So um, and then so we would that, take pictures with it. And you it don't just good. have to worry about terrorists in this situation. You're worried about just the the common thief. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, gotcha. So, so we got, we got like three months worth of payments. So we had like millions of dinar there. Right. And we're paying out and we're in this little town and, and the guy that we're paying, he was, who ran the, the militia, his name was Mullah Majid. And, um, man, this guy was, he was like the godfather in this area. Like he definitely dirty, definitely connected. Nothing happened without him knowing about period. Like he was, he was the dude. And so, um, when we, 
were we were sitting there paying out and then i was like hey let's go let's like go take a walk let's go to the marketplace let's go get some chicken you know because they always have like rotisserie chicken and stuff so we took out we took some iraqi police with us that were that were part of the mission with us and we always do everything joint at that point because we're part of the sofa agreement and we're walking through we stop a little a little like uh it's like a 7-eleven but it's all in arabic it's like a really shitty gas station gotcha. without gas. It's just a convenience store. So we go, <laughs> we, we, we go in, we get them some, what they call fizzy bubblies. And, uh, okay. it, it's basically like a Fanta, like their version of Fanta. And so we get them fizzy bubblies and we're walking and they're all like talking. We go all the way down basically to where it's a loop and we're looping back. And we're come, walking back. We get back and there's, it's dead. And it was like bustling. There was like people riding bikes. There was like people outside their shops, there's people like selling food, everything, like, mm-hmm. people everywhere. And it was ghost town. Like you get to see like newspapers, like blowing in the way. <laughs> like, oh, no. I was like, and the I looked hairs over, on your arms start raising up. Oh yeah. It was, it was insane. So we'd already been in, this is our first attack and we'd already been in, in country for like three months. And so, um, yeah, they, they, you know, we, I looked over my platoon leader at the time. So I was, a, I was a company executive officer who I'm the, I was a second in command under the company commander. Okay. And, uh, I was acting as the company commander for that mission. Cause he was, he wasn't on mission with us. So I look over the platoon leader and I'm like, yo, bro, this is just, <laughs> this is just like they said in training. Yeah. And I said it just like that. I was like, this is just like they said in training. I was like, I think we're about to get attacked. And literally it was like at that moment that, um, we heard it was like a dink, dink, dink. And we looked over and I, it was right by me and it was a oh, grenade man. and it was, it was a grenade and they wow. throw a grenade. And I, I was just enough time that I could reach down and like, and chuck it just enough time that I could like reach out, tuck it and it, get it away. Oh. And, it, and it, and it blew up, uh, about 10 feet from us, wow. like maybe 15. So, um, everyone, everyone dropped, we yelled a grenade, everyone dropped. And then we looked over and there was, um, there was two individuals that were, uh, I mean, if I, yeah, that they were the ones that threw it and they had, they had, uh, weapons with them and they started to fire at us. Um, they had to have been maybe 16, oh. maybe. And so, uh, did we, you, did you ever think, you know, I guess, cause coming from a military family that maybe was more common talk, but did you ever think you were going to pick up a grenade, a live grenade someday? Not a, not at all. Wow. Not at all. Crazy. <laughs> but, but you, dude, it's, it's crazy how, Instinct. man, you're, you're, yeah, it's just like the, the military trains in such a way that they, you train things over and over and over and over and over again to where it's muscle memory because they want mm-hmm. that when the fog of war happens that you just operate off of instinct. And so, um, it's crazy when everything just kicks in, when your adrenaline kicks in and like the things that you do, it's insane. That, that like we like i i remember feeling like an almost out of body experience like in that moment and like we were like grenade and then i was like get down like everyone's like get down and we're and we're pointing out where the guys are at i was like they're they're over to our left fire <laughs> like, and we start firing over in this alleyway and we start chasing these kids and um one of them got nicked because we saw blood yeah. And so we're then running back. We're trying to get into our vehicles because we're going to like drive around town and find these kids and like try to stop them. So never found them. Right. Never found them. Um, and we go, I go back, I go back to the, to the, uh, the Mullah Majid's compound and I'm, and I'm like, 
heated, bro. My, <laughs> my energy's levels like a thousand and I'm still like, my heart's still yeah. racing. And I'm the whole time I'm like, I know Mula Majid's like the godfather here. So there is no damn way that he didn't know that this was going to happen. And if he did, that means that people don't respect his ass. Cause we're sitting here, like we're paying out millions of dinar to him and his people. Yeah. Cause he handpicks who he wants mm -hmm. to, to be in the militia. That's all right. his people. Right. Cause it's, it's, I mean, it's just dirty. It's very corrupt. There's just their, that's just their, their culture. So yeah, I literally get there and I'll, and, I'll, and I'm like pulling up and I'm like, just straight. Like I'm walking like a man with a purpose, right? I'm just like head down, still got my body armor on. And I'm like sprinting almost into this building. And I look over at my interpreter. I'm like, you come here. <laughs> like, I'm like, tell him what I'm saying. Translate. And I like straight five finger point this guy in the face. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, man. what the fuck? It's going. Like, I was like, I'm about to take all this money and I'm gonna roll it up and I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. What am I? I'm like freaking out, right? Yeah. And uh, it embarrassed him really because he had no idea. He had no idea that he was probably going. never has someone talk to him like that either. Oh you know? yeah, I was like, definitely not a. You know, I'm I'm sure you're like six four. You know, I'm six. Two, I'm six seven. Six seven. Yeah. You know, 240, 250 pound, you know, at the, at the time I was like 230, but now I'm 250. So gotcha. Yeah. But I'm still I was still a pretty big guy. Um, and so yeah, he he's like he's like starts apologizing. He's like profusely apologizing. He's like, I didn't know, I'm sorry, like I'll, I'll mm -hmm. fix it, I'll fix it. And so, like three days later, we get a call in the cell and the and the interpreter comes and he's like, Hey, 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 uh, uh Kevin Burch, it's it's Moon Majid. And so I'm like, okay. So I get on the phone. I'm like, and I'm like, hey, what's he saying? He's like, hey, he says he found he found the people mm -hmm. that that's through the grenade. And I was like, oh, awesome. Tell him we're gonna be by there tomorrow. We want to talk to these people, right? Yeah. And so now you've got a thread to pull on. Yeah, because now we can like find out like who talked to them, who set this yeah. up. Like we can we can, you know, interrogate them and get some intel. And so we show up. We go back to his compound. We show up. And we're like, hey, where's the guys? And he, he lived like on the border of the Tigris river. Like he was like right there, like his, the Tigris river was like in the, his backyard. And, uh, and he was like, oh yeah, they're out back. And we look out, it's, it's just his men out back, like out back where? And he was like, and he points at the river <laughs> and oh, we look out man. there and there's literally, there is, there is like, you can see where there's blood from like gunshots where they mm -hmm. execution style shot them in the head and drug them into the river and threw them in. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, no, you can't do that, bro. <laughs> yeah. We had to talk to him, you know, like we, that's not how we do business, man. That's just like, like no. yeah. it was like, oh man. Okay. So that was, that was my first like real introduction engagement. engagement yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was my first, um, I got a combat action badge for that. And then, uh, shortly after mm -hmm. that, we were, uh, me and the platoon leader were awarded bronze stars for that. So. For the work that you, you did there. Okay. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that story with us. First of all, it's an awesome story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just, you know, I just keep playing that over and over again in my head. I imagine in the days after you were just playing it over and over again, like what could have happened if you didn't chuck that grenade? You know? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It could have been bad. It could have been bad. Um, I, it's funny. Like I'm laughing now, but that's how I cope with stress. It's so like, usually I laugh and it's like, oh, this is not good. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, a. I I mean, it was an experience is about, uh, and there's nothing like, there's nothing like deploying for 
for anyone that's listening that is mm-hmm. uh that's prior service or currently in service and you know what it's like it's 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 such a different experience being over there um i kind of miss it sometimes mm-hmm. at times just the camaraderie the groundhog's mm-hmm. day of it but um, yeah no that makes yeah. a lot of sense there's a lot of uh disciplines that are you know you get to execute every day on you know you, yeah. you got to be ready for something like what happened to you every day so you got to be training and all that stuff it makes a lot of sense yeah you know you, you talked about kind of laughing about it now you know which if any one of us civilians went through something like that it would be a traumatic experience right it would be like we would never we weren't we wouldn't be trained for it right mentally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it would be a whole different story yeah i was talking to keith goss the other day he was on my podcast and then we did a uh, a conference together for uh, austin montgomery's growth conference and uh he's he's ex-military too or he's a veteran also and uh same thing he was like you know he's kind of telling me some of the war stories a little gruesome and a lot more worse than that unfortunately yeah, yeah. you know he there, was are, a, there are some there's def, a lot of people have some really bad stuff that happens yeah and and he was just telling them like no emotion no nothing yeah it was just it was it was, it was a trip to hear that from him but so casually you know and that's mm-hmm. how you, that's how you guys have to deal with it you know and so uh i don't know how we transition that from that back into business <laughs> but you know, we still got some time left here. Yeah, man. <laughs> and you've got a lot of value to bring in terms of your um, Delta Financial University. So okay. I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit because you and I, on our call on Monday, we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And it, it it sounds like you've really got that dialed in. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the, one of the pieces that I'm putting together for my consulting client and building a sales team mm-hmm. is a an access to a type of university that walks them through the sales program, right? And so, first of all, where did the idea for this come from? And then why do you think you've gotten such great feedback from it? Um, you know, so coming from the military, I think, I think the military really is what structured my idea of what training is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. I've been through multiple different um, military academies, classes, courses, three day, two day, two week, uh, seven month, you know, all kinds of military classes. So I've seen how they're structured and how they're laid out. And you just kind of see there's, there's a pattern to it, but it works. And the reason why I think the military does what they do, the, the way that they do is because there it's, there's a track record of success and right. And, and so I learned a lot about how to structure training while I was in the military. Uh, and coming into insurance, what I realized is that <clears throat> there's not a lot of really good training. It's, it's kind of like a shotgun blast, right? And it's like, some people, will, it's like some people get it, some people won't, and it's like, it doesn't really apply to everybody. And so, um, I want to double down on what you're saying too. Yeah. Cause what happens is in so many sales organizations or sales centric organizations, a new trainee comes in mm-hmm. and they say, Hey, go train him. And then guess what? He gets everything on the first couple of days and he's just like not even retaining probably 10% of it. Yeah. And, and it's very much, it's that shot. let me tell you everything I know, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not structured. It's not given with multiple mediums. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just given face-to-face, person-to-person. Maybe there's no training outline to follow, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, there's different ways to train. There's like, you have the online university, they're shadowing. You know what I mean? There's um, the the written training SOPs. 
you know, there, there's so many ways and people learn differently, right? So you kind of have to encompass them all. But anyways, back to the shotgun blast. Yeah, so it, I realized it was kind of a shotgun blast. And, um, and, and I felt as if like, I'm not getting what I need, right? So, I mean, so going through like what, where I'm at now, I guess I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell this in a different time skip pattern. Um, where I'm at now, I try to imagine the, the talking to the agent that I was when I first started. So like baby agent, Greg, right. Not knowing anything about sales. <laughs> I and, love that. And so <laughs> I, that, and that's how I tried it. That's who I'm teaching. So I, everything that I've learned that I had to train myself through, um, through reading daily, <coughs> through experiencing through sales. Like I iterated my own sales process that I changed, which is crazy because my sales process and I, the, what I made really closely mirrors what Ryan's teaches in, in Breakthrough Academy. It's really yeah. close. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it, there's a like lot the, of variances. The catch process? Yeah, the catch process. Okay. Um, but mine's all about, I, I, I talked about, you got to ask questions. They got to be uh, open-ended. Start with question with uh, words, what and how, never why. Um, but you got you to pull out the emotion. You got to pull out out everything that they're that they're looking for what the, why are they talking to you what are their concerns etc and then you got to roll it all together and you got to show some empathy and you got to mm -hmm. show empathy by an understanding that you understand where they're coming from and so i teach this in the academy but most of my academy is like the background stuff that most people don't even think to teach i can't tell you how many times i get from an agent they're like well how do i set up my business how do I, how do I set up? Like, mm -hmm. how do I set up a business bank account? How do I set up taxes. an LLC? How do I do taxes? <laughs> yeah. How do, how do I do this? How, how do I, um, structure my schedule, you know? And, and they're just like, ah, whatever, do it. Like just control your schedule. Like, <laughs> you know, and there's no, there's no training on it that yeah. actually it get, that shows them proper ways and tools to use it. And so what I decided was uh, over time is I started to build this process in these ideas of how I wanted to train agents by because it was how I was training myself and the things that I had to overcome. And in sales, there's a lot of basics, right? Can you still hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay. In sales, there's a lot of basics. There's a and, and, and the basic fundamentals, and you can attest to this too, Doug, you can have the best leads you could have the best resources. You could have give every leg up in the world and every opportunity available. And if you have the wrong mindset, you're going to fail every single time. Whereas you could be give, have no leads. You could have every obstacle put in your way. You could have every challenge presented to you and people try to stop and halt your progress. And with the right mindset, you're still going to crush nuts, right? Yeah. So, so I teach a lot on having the proper mindset and having the right expectations coming in. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, there's gotta be a point in the training process where you let them go. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you, when you do that, what you're finding out is if they have really have what it takes because everybody mm -hmm. can give you lip service until it's time to, Hey, you've hit this point. I've given you enough to make some money and now let's see what you can do. Let them go give them a few days, maybe a day, you know, just depending on the business, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's different in your business than it is in, you know, door-to-door -door sales, but let them, we typically let them go for a day 
you know, and then my, I'll tell my trainers, don't answer the phone, leave them to their own. You know what I'm saying? Let them go through that mental like challenge. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the night, find out how it went, you know, and then you'll, you'll really be able to find out, okay, Hey, do I need to keep investing in this person? Or they just gave me a bunch of excuses. They left the field on their own. Mm-hmm. That'll kind of tell you, Hey, if I keep investing in them, I'm going to keep propping them up, helping them make sales and everything. As soon as I let them go again, they're going to fall, you know, or they're going to dip or they're going to quit. Yeah. So you, you find out their, uh, you find out their, how resilient uh, they are. Resiliency. There you go. Yeah. Find out how are, are they are they gonna are they gonna solve the problem on their own? Yeah, and at, at some point, no matter what the business is in the sales training, you've got to have a spot for them to do that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, on the technical side, with the university, is there a certain platform that you're utilizing for that? So, um, I know there's a lot out there, right? Yeah, you know, we, we even talked about it. You got Cardone University. Yeah. Got, uh, for my industry, you've got uh, door-to-door university, mm-hmm. uh, solar university. You know, there's all these kinds of things out there, and I'm sure there's insurance ones as well. Mm-hmm. You built yours from from scratch. I did. I built mine from scratch. It's okay. it's basically a program that was a plugin that I could put into the website that is okay. really closely. It's it's just a it's a knockoff of Lightspeed, basically. Okay. Um, or, or, te- or teachable. So, and there's a lot uh-huh. of them out there. Like you can just buy one. So, um, I just basically have I have it structured into different sections, and then each section has subsections where it's the actual video and the description. And then I have attachments within there that would that correlate with said video. Okay. And so um, the the university as it is now is uh, I think 34 total videos. Mm-hmm. It's 34 videos. I, uh, I recorded all of them from scratch and that's just the basic agent university. I have an advanced markets university where it's all like the advanced market sales with, um, index universal life policies, fixed index annuities, debt-free life, stuff like that. Um, premium financing cases that is done by May as um, well be Spanish for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we have that also. And so that was done by my advanced markets director, David Doring. Um, and I, I let him use the same system. He, he basically nice. used the same, same system to, to create that. Um, but I, I think what makes it different is that we have, we do a live onboarding, uh, which is unique for pretty much any IMO out there. Mm-hmm. And we have it, we, we call it our career school. And so um, I have certain parameters and I, and I instill discipline in the process. So we, it's a three-day process. It's every, it's every single Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And I run career school almost by, with me and my VP of operations, Kevin Vega, him and I run it together usually. Wow. Every and, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. And, every, and what, what's the time slot for this? I'm curious. Nine to 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, yep. so it's a six hour, six hour course, basically a live course that you're running these guys through. Yeah. And so what so we do. The same thing every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same questions. Same questions. Same, same answers. Same bad jokes. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yep. And, and so what we do is we, we have them come in on Tuesday for an orientation day. Okay. And, and I'm, I, and I tell them, I, they get, they get in, as soon as they have to sign up, they get an automatic email. It's like, Hey, here's your instructions for career school. Welcome to Delta financial. Here's the, here are the rules of engagement. Hey, show up on time. On time. Does not mean nine o'clock? I if you show that. up at rules nine of engagement, like, it's like, dude, you're late. Right. So yeah. show up early. And, um, if they show up, at nine o'clock in one second, they're late, bro. They ain't coming in. And I'll, and I'll literally send a message like you're late. 
you're not coming to career school. You're coming next week. Go, go sign up for next week. So basically make them wait a week, which, which opens them up to other offers, which the people are calling them back that they were calling before, you know yep. what I'm saying? Um, but you can do that because one, you believe in your company and your product and your onboarding and two, yep. you've got the leads coming in for yep. new recruits. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying. And, and, it, so, and it also instills so, discipline and it, and there's still, there's, I respect their time. They should respect mine as well, especially if they want to learn from me. Like I've, I've done a lot in the industry. I've broken records in the industry in terms of sales. Like I know what I'm doing and I can teach sales at a very high level. So you know, one of my, my favorite ways that that was explained to me for the first time was uh, I had Drewby Wilson on the podcast, you know, Drewby from yep. uh, Apex. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's their VP of sales or he's their VP. And uh, he was like, you know, when Ryan offered them the position, he didn't only think about, okay, hey, it's a 50 grand a year salary plus commission. He was like, it's a 50 grand a year salary plus people pay this guy a hundred grand a year to mentor them. So I'm going to, and mentally, I'm going to throw that hundred grand a year on top of that mm-hmm. because I'm getting that, I'm working in the office with this guy every day. You know what yep. I mean? And he told me he's going to pour into me. You know what I'm saying? So that, that, that mindset is huge. Oh yeah. But, but it, it, it's hard to tell them that without sounding like you're bragging. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's the way you get them to respect it immediately is as soon as they're late, cut them loose, come back the next week. If you're serious about this and be yeah. on time. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, like people that come back, they're like, dude, Greg isn't playing. You better not show up late. Like, Greg, <laughs> he, he will not let you in. And he'll be like, so, too bad. So sad. See ya. Come next so, week. So at that point, are they showing up physically or is this, uh, it's on zoom. It's on zoom. orientation. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so what I do is I have them show up for the orientation and just to be like, Hey, who shows up and then, Hey, congratulations. You guys made it on time. You're going to career school. Oh, by the way, you guys got homework every day. Homework today is going to be videos one through 11, in the university. You're going to be getting access to the university today. Nice. I, I want written notes on videos one through 11. Your notes need to have these three, you know, these three points. Hey, what, what did you learn? What did you, what are you going to apply to your business right away? What, what did the video make you feel? What emotion did you feel by watching it? And then I have him read a book as well. And so like this, this, this go around, I had him read, uh, never split the difference by Chris Voss, um, and, and read chapters one through three, and then take handwritten notes and they send that homework in. Um, if they don't send up homework by the time frame, they're out. It's like, you're out of the course. Go next week. If you want. One of the things I like that you said is when you were talking to them, you're talking about their business so you say your business. And I'm guessing that's something you do on purpose right away. It's like, you've got to treat this like your business. Absolutely. Definitely going to steal that for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) And so I wanted to, I'm going to read this real quick because I actually just finished a career school today being Friday. Uh And um, I had an agent that went through that just came to my company and he, he switched over to my company and I've known him for a while. And he's been in a couple of different IMOs. He's actually really good at what he does. He knows how to sell to high level. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so he did a still, he still had to go through the ringer. He's yeah. Everybody goes through else. Everybody goes through. And I told him, I was like, Hey man, I want you to go through. And I, the way I saw it was like, Hey, when you build your agency and you have agents that are coming through, you want to know what they're going through. Yep. So you should be going through it as well. Absolutely. And he was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. So, um, this is what he wrote today is his review. He said, Hey, as someone is coming from two different IMOs and who has had some success in life insurance business already, I thought that there was not much I could learn from this school, 
my experience with the training in my previous IMOs wasn't great. So I didn't have high expectations. And the reason I signed up for the school was more so I could see the process and set the expectations for the new agents joining Delta Financial and my team. Boy, was I surprised. The Delta Financial Career School was a truly mind-blowing and life-changing experience for me. In the three days of fast-paced and accelerated training, I learned so many new things when it comes to improving different areas of my business and my life. From organizing my schedule and workflow to the sales process, scripts, and social media, I learned how important discipline, consistency, and mindset are for my success in this industry and wish someone was there to teach me all this from the get-go. I believe the model of Delta Financial is implementing can truly change the life insurance industry, and I'm super excited to grow my business here at Delta. Thank you, Greg, Kevin, Zach, Joey, David, Amber, and everyone who else who took part in the crew school for taking the time and sharing all your knowledge and expertise with us. I'm happy to call Delta Financial home for my agency, and I'm confident and looking forward to growing together. He just emailed me that while we were on the, while we were on the call. First of yeah. all, that's like one of the best reviews I've ever heard. Yeah. Dude's a, dude is a writer. Yeah, he is. He is a yes. writer and he's incredibly articulate too. So there's, you know, no, no, uh, not understanding why he's successful in, in any business. Right. Yeah. Um, but that was a hell of a review. Jeez. Yeah. He, he, he did, he did, he just did, he did some justice, I guess, but Absolutely. we get, we get reviews like that all the time, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, and people are just like, dude, this is on, this is the best sales training I've ever had. And I, honestly, I feel like sales training is a lot like uh, leadership. It's like sales, right? It, it, there's, it's, it's like watching a TED talk, which I'm reading the book right now, Talk Like Ted. If you haven't read it, it's fantastic. Okay. Um, but it talks about passion, having like having passion in everything that you do. Mm -hmm. And it's that it's that belief of what you're doing, that it's for the greater good. And, and I really did like if when people watch my videos, they're like, dude, you really poured into this. Like you are so passionate in the way that you teach in these videos that like it like bleeds through. And it, and, when, and it gives, it gives them belief. And when you're doing this, you're, you're speaking to a camera. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. impressive on its own. Right. So yeah. I have a hard time with that. I'm not going to lie. So a lot of my training that's in our uh, freedom training, that's not by other people. That's by me uh, is to my, is, is during my company wide calls, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And some of my best training comes from those. Cause I'm, I'm looking at their faces, you know, and I have feedback mm -hmm. on stuff, you know what I mean? But you did it to a camera. <laughs> So that's pretty impressive. That's awesome, man. I love it. Right here, right here in this setup. <laughs> uh -huh. Exactly. Yeah. So in, in, in wrapping it up, what, what's the next step for Delta financial? Like your recruiting's going really well. I know you're, you're putting the podcast uh, back into place. Now yeah. you're going to start becoming that um, person of interest online, uh, not person of interest, but building that, building that the, authority the brand. online. Yeah. Really building your brand up, attracting new agents and everything. Mm -hmm. Your your university is working out great. So what's what's the next step for Delta Financial? So um, right now I, I'm looking at trying to emulate a lot of the things that I'm learning in these different groups, especially in Apex, um, in in my top leaders that have been with me for the past like two years, okay. and and basically duplicating myself, and so getting them to start doing the same things that I'm doing through social media and that's, and it's starting to happen basically right now. And, and that basically will free me up. I want to start doing more public speaking and paid speaking events and start getting into that. Um, yeah. I want to grow consulting. my podcast and do, I want to do consulting. And then, um, I, what I eventually, what I want to do is I want to, uh, I want to build and this, I'm looking at hopefully starting it next year. I want to build an actual university 
like a true sales university um, here in, in Dallas for insurance professionals that every single time that I hire somebody in Delta Financial, mm-hmm. it'll be like, because we have a, I have a hiring process. It's, it's like very like unique. A physical classroom. A physical classroom. Well, I will fly them out, put them in a hotel. It'll be like a week long, but this is going to be like the seals yeah. of, of training of insurance. It. It, like I'm going to, they're, and I'm going to have them sign forms. It's not going to be physical, but I'm going to mentally, I'm going to mentally drain them mm-hmm. and I'm going to push them to their limits mentally and emotionally. And you have all the people in Dallas that are, you know, the, the coaches. I have, and- I have, I have enough. I have enough. Uh, and I have enough that outside of Dallas that will move here when it's ready. Well, what I'm saying is uh, you also have the operators within the Apex community, like yeah, the, the, yeah. the actual SEALs and Green yeah. Berets. That are, in, I mean? that are in Apex, that's true, yeah. <laughs> that's you can true. bring them out. They can kick their ass a few mornings just to provide some context, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just to get their mindset ready for the day. No, that's awesome. And I think that kind of leads into, into my next question, which is the last question I ask at the end of all my episodes. And it is, you know, what is legacy for you? And what legacy are you going to leave behind? You know, um, legacy for me is, uh, you know, when, the, when, when we all pass away and uh, whoever our maker is, you know, we're, we're on judgment day and, and uh, our maker is there to judge and see how, how we were with our deeds and our acts. I just hope that one person raises their hand and says, Greg helped me. Greg helped me improve my life. And uh, if, I can, if I can touch one life that I can do that with, then I, I feel like I'm, I've, I've left an impact, a good enough impact on this world. And, and, and really, I just want to touch as many lives as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that when I think about how I, I try to serve people and serve agents, is I really just want to touch their life enough that it improves it. And hopefully that they can do the same to other people and it can, and that continues. So. Yeah. I love it. That's massive. And because if, if, if all of us did that for someone else, I mean, the world would be such a better place. Yeah. The world would be such a better place, but there's so many people that uh, just don't have that mindset. You know what I mean? They're just, just going to be takers. And so mm-hmm givers have to like exponentially to it. You know what I mean? Have to, have to overgive. Yeah. Overgive. Right. (laughs) And here's the things people don't realize is that all the joy and the, and the spoils are in giving, to Mm -hmm. be honest, you know, it's not in taking, it really isn't giving you. There's a difference between like wealthy and being a rich person. Right. Um, and I, I feel I'm very rich in my relationships with people, you know, I don't have all the money that I want to have it, And I know it's going to come. Right. Um, my, my business is blowing up and it's succeeding massively. And there will come a day that I will be able to use that money for, for very good things. And I, and mm-hmm. I plan to, um, but I feel very rich in my life with the relationships that I've built. Uh, it's, it's so true. What you just said about, you know, the riches are in giving because, you know, I, I talked about the same thing. I did a presentation on building great sales teams a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I was like, think about the last time that you were truly happy. Chances are that you were teaching somebody something. It's just, it's in our nature. That's one of the things that makes us human. And that's one of the reasons that I know that we were ordained, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And that when we're doing that work, it's divine because our spirit fills up. Mm 
Yeah. And so, um, uh, I love the legacy that you're after. And, um, I feel like you're going to make a huge impact within the apex community, within, uh, any, anybody that you come into contact with. So, you know, I can think of probably two people right now that could use your leadership. Um, but if somebody listening, Mm-hmm. Uh, wants to reach out to you, what's the place, where, where's the best place for them to do that? Um, send me, send me a message on, um, on LinkedIn or not LinkedIn. Um, sorry, Instagram. My mm-hmm. Facebook is I'm maxed out on friends because <laughs> yeah. I have so many, there's so many insurance agents in the industry and I'm, I'm like yeah. all insurance agents. Um, but my, my Instagram, I'm not obviously. And so, um, send me, I'm Gregory, a Birch underscore G R E G O R Y a B I R C H like the tree underscore. Um, so you can't miss me. Um, but yeah, send me a message. Um, and I'm dude, I'm really happy to help. If you have any quick questions, I'm not going to be the guy to be like, like, I, I will not be like, send you a calendar invite and be like, Hey, this is what my services cost. I'm going to be like, Hey bro, how can I help? And like, you yeah. have a question and I'm going to, I'll do what I can to help you. Yeah. You might have to wait a little bit, but we'll get on the call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so we'll include all that in the, the show notes so people can reach out to you. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Truly honored that you're able to jump on here and share so much value. And we're definitely going to have to have a part two. Because I know yeah. we just got, we just kind of scratched the surface of what you've been doing in the sales game. So mm-hmm. really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I appreciate you having me on, Doug. And I'm going to have you on my, you're going to be my first podcast guest. Let's go. <laughs> that, I'm ready. That, uh, that I have. So uh, yeah, be ready to, to record here soon. Sounds good. Let's get building. All right, brother. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Make sure you like, share, and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts and subscribe so you're notified when we release new content. Great sales teams aren't recruited. They are built brick by brick. Let's get building.